0: Hello, welcome back to How to Rewrite Your Stars. This is Benjamin Fincher with Starlight Mentoring, and today I'm joined by Tyler Hall. I gotta say, that's one of the more easier names I've said on the podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> but how are you doing, Tyler? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I I, I say I have the whitest name out there, um, so it's 100% true. Um, I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, I You're am, welcome. I'm a coach, um, and I consider myself a coach Um and I really awesome. work with other coaches to help them find their voice, find their confidence, find their branding, and really kind of excel in the coaching space. Um, coaching is like nothing I've ever done before in my life, and I've had over 21 jobs since the time I turned 15. And oh, wow when i when i landed into coaching i knew i landed into something special and i knew i found the one thing that was gonna make my heart sing for the rest of my life and yeah and now i'm just like i want to help as many coaches possible find their voice find their confidence so they can go out and change the world
0: that is super cool i love that story and that was just a brief bio <laughs> it
1: was that was very on the fly i didn't even have anything planned or scripted out so that was fantastic
0: right well well, that's the thing is when we get into these conversations and we start talking with the people it's it's not like it's something we need scripted it's our story <laughs> it's us yeah so so that's part of why i love doing it like we're doing it here just hey tell me about yourself yeah and it's kind of funny because, like, I'll have people ask me to like it's the first time I'm meeting them, and they're like, "Oh, tell me a little bit about yourself." I'm like, "Which part you want to know?" Because there's so many things.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so complex, and i I write my I write my bio at least once a week, like I'm always tweaking and I'm always adjusting because as humans, we're always growing. And so new things come up and and new ways of thinking and and viewing the world come up. And so like, I'm always checking in and and retweaking those things. But you know, when you just ask like, who are you? It's such a complex question. And I mean, there's so many layers to it all. So yeah, it's like, well, let me tell you, I'm this spiritual
0: being made of cosmic (laughs) Dust (laughs) that is walking around with a body of flesh and bones and blood, and I have a mission on Earth. I don't know what it is yet exactly, but I'm working on it.
1: (laughs) That's pretty much. That's pretty much it. That's that's literally everybody out there. So they're
0: like, I just wanted to know you worked. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I don't have a job. I'm an entrepreneur. They're like,
1: huh i get i get even more huzz when i say i'm a coach entrepreneur you know right
0: because they're People like understand. i've never i've never heard that one
1: yeah yeah they go what the heck is that and you're like um what is it i don't know i still don't know so. well,
0: well it's like for me i look at it and i'm like okay well it's not in the oxford dictionary but knowing how words come about to be, i see one word and i see half of another word so it's mm-hmm. a coach entrepreneur coachpreneur
1: yeah exactly
0: so i i like that that's cool thank you it, and br- brief tangent you talking about how you rewrite your bio weekly it, it reminds me of an opportunity assignment that I got from a mentor years ago to write out a page of my credentials mm. where it had my picture up in the top corner either right or left I think I put it on the left side and then like a brief description of yourself just like hey I'm ready to help you this is who I am etc cetera, etc cetera. and then like probably five sixths or four fifths of the page was supposed to be dedicated to bullet pointing what you have accomplished in your life maybe only three-fourths maybe only three-fourths but just the majority of the page was bullet point things you've accomplished in your life like and it can be i am a master sock folder because (laughs) when i'm done none of the socks have a missing pair and this is him telling the story he's like Mm -hmm. none of the socks have a missing pair and everyone in the audience is just like what he's like yeah because when there's an extra sock left over you just throw it in the trash <laughs> he's like yeah, after a few weeks we stopped having as many socks and my wife caught on and i stopped folding socks <laughs> <laughs> i'm like uh-huh but i i can do that part and then on the back side he's like okay now on the back write what you want to do write what you have done on the front but on the back mm-hmm. the entire page the entire page is bullet point and size 12 font what do you want to do
1: it, it it's kind of this reminds me of an exercise that i actually do with clients where uh-huh. i i help them create titles for themselves um okay. and i think it's really i i don't know it, it it's so simple but yet revolutionary because like oh, for yeah. me i consider myself when when I uh, when I started branding myself, I considered myself to be a mindset mastery coach, a business strategist, and an intuitive living specialist. What does any of that mean? Uh, that's your guess is as good as mine. but it, it's one of those things of like, like especially when you're in the in the entrepreneurial space and the in the coaching space, the world is flooded with coaches and there are health coaches life coaches business coaches career you know i mean career coaches i mean it, it it's endless like all of these titles right and it's so important to find how to differentiate yourself in this world and so like i walk my clients through like getting really specific with like okay what type of coach are you and then go deeper with that. And then what, you know, and it, and it really helps them stand out in the crowd. And then it also helps them feel confident when they're like presenting themselves because it's like, okay, this is what makes me unique as a coach versus just being a health coach or a life coach. And it's right. I mean, it's just such a, a, a nice little trick, but it, it works and you can write titles for anything. You don't have to be a coach. You could be, you know, like you said, master sock folder. That's what made me think of it
0: yeah exactly like it can be i am the spectacular husband who is super romantic or i am the expert dishwasher and maybe that's your job is like i am the expert dishwasher and you can use that title because my definition of expert you can borrow this those listening use well tyler is someone who knows the problem And who knows the solution? So it's like, okay, dishwashing. The problem is the plates are dirty and the solution is clean them. And the outcome is you get clean dishes that can be used again. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, as long as you know those three things, you are now the expert dishwasher.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm so glad you were were like having this, this tangent now because it's like the idea of like expert or the idea of specialist or you know, professional, whatever, whatever title it is, it's so, it's just a word, like, right, who, who at the end of the day, really gets to define what a specialist is, or what an expert is, or, and I love that you said, like, your definition of an expert is this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I, you know, that's something that I've been embracing recently, is like, okay, I can be a mindset mastery coach. Like I've had, I have the training, I have the skills, you know, like, why not? You know, I can title myself master of something. (laughs) And it's like, because my definition is going to be different than your definition. And the, you know, how I articulate it is going to be different than how you articulate it. And I mean, it doesn't make either one of us right or wrong. It's just like, what makes you the most comfortable um with those words and and with and how you you speak and and present yourself so you know it's it's so simple but yet we get it so confused all the time
0: right and that kind of reminds you you bringing up the word mastery reminds me of martial arts because that's where my brain always goes with being a master and that might have been because my dad uh, lived in Korea for a couple years when he was about my age and so him raising his family with obviously me in it like we've had traces and touches of asian culture in our lives and my dad and my older sister did martial arts when they were younger and we kind of started to do some martial arts with one of his coworkers until that relationship between him and his coworker got strained and <laughs> but just to think about mastery, and i've talked with a um a martial arts master I think three weeks ago at this point. For me it was yesterday but listeners it was four weeks ago or three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I forget which exactly his practice is. It might have been Kijong but whatever his practice was his definition of mastery I'm sure is, is very different from yours. He's not the type of person that would argue with you about it <laughs> but if he brought it up as a conversation with he'd be like yes your word of mastery and he even talked with me about this idea of perceptions and definitions but he would probably be like yeah like your definition of mastery is not my definition of mastery Mm -hmm. and that's valid and true and it's okay like i mean for crying out loud you got urban dictionary which just almost tries to do the stupidest definition out there yeah (laughs) i mean not always but (laughs) i I don't surf that dictionary either
1: (laughs) it's i don't know words fascinate me and definitions fascinate me and being able to write your own definitions and being able to kind of get into a al- lot. I mean, and really it comes down to getting into alignment with yourself and mm-hmm. really understanding who you are as an individual and, you know, where you kind of fit in, you know, like, like my definition of mastery is not perfection or it's not years and years of experience. It's getting up every day and working on the mindset piece and working on you know, overcoming the limiting beliefs and and reshaping your identity as an individual. And, you know, it's like it's it's not perfection. It's not, it's actually the for me, it's the opposite of perfection. It's like how many times can you fail at something? Right. How many times can you rewrite, you know, your bio or rewrite your titles and, you know, really getting crystal clear on this is how I identify. This is what makes me, me versus, you know, what society wants me to be. And that's really why I consider myself the mindset mastery coach is because it's, it's getting your brain to work for you instead of against you. And, and that's, I love that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
1: going back to the martial arts
0: aspect, I remember, and this applies to any form of mastery, I feel like, but I think it originated in the martial arts area, that the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes right back to what you were just saying. It's like, yeah, do it again and again and again and fail and fail. And do it again and again and succeed and do it again and again. And each of one of those attempts you could label as a failure or success, but really it's just success or learning. Mm -hmm. as long as you look at it with the right perspective
1: yeah i mean i i don't think there is any i don't think you can fail at anything i think every time you attempt something you get feedback you get data of Mm -hmm. you know did it work did it not work how did it feel you know all of these kind of things and instead of looking at it as like oh i miserably failed it's like no you you learned you know what didn't work for you and and that's not failure that's that's literally getting into alignment with yourself and what naturally works either for you or against you and i mean the the again going back to like definitions of like you know i mean what is failure you know
0: right cuz you say like maybe you miserably failed maybe it wasn't a failure Well, sure, maybe you still miserably screwed up or you messed up or it didn't work out. Yeah. But as long as you can take that and learn from it. I I mean, for an example, for me, I went out to Texas. I I live in Utah. I went out to Texas this summer for summer sales. Let me tell you, it's not the year to try that. (laughs) (laughs) Door to door. Hi, you want to buy something as I'm standing at your door? yes, I'm trying to stand six feet away, but I'm still standing at your doorstep and you could be worried (laughs) because (laughs) maybe I will bring you some terrible virus to your house that we're experiencing in this year. (laughs) Plus, the people that I worked with, they didn't tell me how to sell. So in episode two, which is already out of the podcast, I go over with the guy who talks about broken salespeople. I talk with him about this journey I had and it's like... I could label that as a failure. Or I could label it as okay, let's take the top 10 things I learned from this so that I can learn them and that I can share them with other people too.
1: Yeah. I mean sales is such an interesting subject. Like oh yeah. I've I've been in I think everybody who's ever had a job has probably been in some sort of sales role and
0: um, just a quick interjection there getting a job you do sales because you're selling yourself as an employee
1: yeah that's a huge actually that's a great point too because i just so right now i'm I'm building my dream coaching business it's a part-time gig and then i've i've got a part-time uh job working with a really awesome company and when i landed this position you know like I told you at the very beginning, I've had 21 jobs since the time I turned 15 and I was able to work. I'm 27 now. Um, that's yeah. a lot of jobs. That's a it lot is. of, that's a lot of experience. That's a lot of randomness that's on a resume. And, you know, for me, it's always like, I for me, I used to be so ashamed of having 21 jobs, having you know all of these different opportunities and i looked at it as like oh my god i just don't know what i want i'm such a failure i i'm a loser all of these kind of things and then this with this most recent part-time job that i that i landed i went in and i said what if i presented my resume with confidence instead of shame you know and it and it was mind blowing how effective just asking that what if question was And I got out of the interview and I got into the interview and I started talking about my resume and my now manager was like, okay, well tell me about this resume because it's kind of all over the place. And I said, yeah, I was all over the place. And I said, my resume is a reflection of my journey of discovering myself and getting into alignment with myself. And it was like, and i was like you know what i'm not ashamed of this i'm not ashamed that i've been here i've been there i've been all over the place it's like it's like i'm i'm working on myself the last 10 years since i've graduated high school really has been a, an evolution of self discovery of getting into alignment with who i am and and what makes my heart sing and i'm not ashamed of that anymore and so many people are so ashamed of their resumes. They're so ashamed of their past when we should be celebrating our past because they have made you who you are today. And a resume does not tell an employer what, you know, a resume is not a reflection of who you can be. It's a Mm -hmm. reflection of who you were in your past. And that's something to be celebrated. That's something to be you know, honored and knowing that, like, it doesn't have to define where you go in your future.
0: Absolutely. And you talked about how you've had 21 jobs reminds me of my journey. I've had, I I didn't count before, and I'm not going to take the (laughs) time to count during this episode, but I've had somewhere between seven and 10 different jobs. Mm -hmm. And I could be off by, like, I could have had more Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm confident I had at least seven, but like I've been all over the place too. And for me, uh, I feel like I kind of had this uh, perspective really early in life of I'm able to learn from almost any experience I get. And since then I've changed it to, I can learn from any experience I've had mm-hmm. and it's just like, okay, I'm learning a new school. I'm doing a new thing. Cause I went to be a cook and then I went to a boy scout camp and then I went and did trees. And then I went into retail in a very specific niche market for missionaries because in Utah, there's a lot of those. (laughs) (laughs) And that was retail. And then I went into another retail job and then I went into pest control and then I went into a warehouse job. So, I guess it's seven, <laughs> but I've been to all these places and I'm just like, okay, like someone could see this as sporadic, but I'm just like, dude, like I know so much more about how the world works. I know so much more about how the workplace works. I know so much more about people. I know so much more skills that when I never met one of these jobs again, maybe I can use it in my own life.
1: Exactly. It's like, I mean it is a celebration of like that diversity and that and that broadness you know I think we live in a we live in a world where people celebrate specialists where you know you get celebrated if you know you know exactly you know one path one sort of career one one of this, and it's like it's like we. You know, there's something unique about the people who have done a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. and it's that it's that ability to adapt. and it's that it's that ability to, you know, pivot and handle change easier. And, you know, I, I feel like the people who have these broad skills or these broad resume resumes, they have a most of them have a a, a great growth mindset. They have yeah. that like, ability like you were saying of like well I'm going to go in and I'm going to learn something and I may or may never use that skill again but at least I'll have learned something and that's going to change the way I see the world that's going to change the way I see others and you know it's like again since when since when was the world decided by you know if you're not a specialist then you're you know less than or whatever it may be because it's like I find myself to be very robust and I find myself to be a very interesting person. And it's because I've had all of those experiences and it's, you know, in the last 10 years, I've, I've had a really incredible journey of self-discovery and and self-mastery. And most people, they don't go through that. You know, they, they go to college, they pick their major, they find a job, they, you know, kind of just stay on this path that is prescribed by society and I feel like I jumped off the path and went, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna walk my way through the woods and I'm gonna figure it out and I'm gonna explore. And you know I, I'm celebrating that by writing a book called The Ten Year Transformation, where I'm talking about you know, getting off that path and really paving my own own way. And it sounds like that's something that you've done yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I find that really awesome. You're writing the book about about that. I, I feel like there's a book in me. I just haven't <laughs> decided to actually write it. Like I, I tried to do NanoRimo National Novel Writing Month last month. And I was so busy with other things that were a lot more pressing that I'm like, okay, book would be great. But other things to generate money quicker yeah that's better right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i'll come back to it when it's the right time (laughs)
1: there there's a book in everybody and yeah I'm i'm
0: starting to understand that one more
1: yeah and and that was another that was a big aha for me was like you know i've always wanted to be a writer and i've always said that i was a writer but i never wrote you know it's that kind of you know i say a lot of things i'm like i'm gonna go do this i'm gonna do that and then i'll either start it and then stop or you know kind of get through but what i realized was especially when it comes to like personal memoirs everybody has a story to share oh, yeah. everybody has something that has happened to them some sort of transformation some sort of moment that changed their life that we should be sharing because that's where we get all the juiciness of life. And that's where we get all the juiciness of, of, you know, empathy and being able to connect more deeply with other people. And, you know, it's like, I find that stuff so fascinating.
0: Oh, absolutely. um couple of different places my brain's wanting to take this right now but <laughs> to jump back to the tangents about jobs and honestly at this point it's not a tangent this is like the main conversation <laughs> <laughs> so the main conversation is a tangent <laughs> anyways going back to that topic hobos do you know what a hobo was when that word originated
1: i, be- I believe that i've heard this on jeopardy or something like that Um, I I wasn't wasn't a hobo. Somebody who, like, ventured out on their own and kind of like, like they just chose to to kind of be a wanderer. Very close. Very close. Okay.
0: So I learned this from the book called "The Education of a Wandering Man." by louis lamore who's really famous for his sackett series and um some of those other books that he wrote about like the frontier I, I haven't read a ton so i just remember the sackett series and i don't remember the title of the one i read <laughs> <laughs> but but this was his autobiography and at one point in his life he was a hobo and it's defined that a hobo is someone who like Follows the rail, follows the rail line of the trains. Goes to the end of the line where the work is. Coal, lumber, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, gold. Whatever the work was at the end of the line, they got off there. They did the work for however long of a season they wanted to. Maybe it was a literal season and they just came back at the end of it. Or maybe they stayed one train or two trains or however many trains came to pick up the stuff and then they'd get back on the train and go somewhere else and the train wouldn't charge them for passage because they were the ones responsible for the rails or for the trains having something to pick up so pretty much it's a wandering worker Mm is the original definition of hobo where today's we pretty much refer to bums on the street and homeless people as hobos yeah which is kind of interesting how that word has degenerated over the years but going back to the original
1: definition i find it awesome that's a that's an an amazing uh, like original definition and it makes me think of like now the rise of the digital nomad you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the, I mean a little way different than 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 way back when but still that right. concept of like just being able to pick up and and you know travel where you want to and kind of wander and still be able to to find work at the end of, of that path and and right honestly i I feel like for myself at least like this, I feel like I've been wandering and I've been, you know, following my own track and at the end of it, I found coaching and I found that, that, that work, you know? So maybe, maybe I'm going to call myself a professional hobo now, just, you know, in in honor of that, because it's true. It's like, it's like, I, I had no idea when I graduated high school, I really thought I was going off, to study stage management. I had been selected to, to this really kind of elite uh, theater program uh, college. And when the finances fell through, I was like, wow, I have no idea what I want to do now. And I was lost and I was confused. And I mean, I I ended up at at our local community college going, well, what's next? Um, But there was something within me that just said, you know what i'm I'm not going to settle until I find the one thing that that makes my heart sing the one thing that gives me energy that fulfills me that brings me the joy. And so I started searching and I was all over the board I yeah I mean college college was like this path of like, well, do I want to go this way do I want to go that way? you know I I, I I tried studying business. I was an English major. I was did took some psychology classes. I and then I ended up and then I ended up majoring in documentary filmmaking. So, you know, it's like it's one of those things it was like it was just such an evolution of curiosity and and self expression and I don't regret it at all. You know, there there's not there's not a moment where I go, oh, I wish I would have done that differently because it's led me to coaching and it's led me to finding, you know, the joy in life.
0: Yeah, and that's powerful where you could be like, yeah, I don't regret it. Like, sure, I didn't find it right off the bat, but not regretting it. That's huge because a lot of people, like, I knew when I was 12 years old, I was not going to go to college unless by the time it was... I was old enough to go to college, like 18 or so, unless by that point I knew for sure I needed a college degree for whatever Mm -hmm. vocation I decided was mine, for whatever career I was going into. So all throughout my working years between 16, and 18 and beyond, it was just like, okay, what calls to me? And like I said, I started at a food job few people have that call to them as their ultimate path (laughs) and kudos to the people it does because they're the ones that make the good food Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i've got a neighbor down the street from my parents place that he is a chef Mm -hmm. Mm. so good (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like that is not my path but kudos to you man kudos to you mr stefan Like. Yeah, you, you do chef, and that is you. Like, keep it up. <laughs> but for me, it's just like, nah, that ain't me. Sure, yeah. it was a job, and I was like, okay, I'm 16 now. Sure, let's go get a job because I can and earn money. Great. And it was actually a neighborhood, where, or a, one of the neighbors in my neighborhood owned the place, and so I, it was a lot easier to get in. But still, I chose the more medium um, level restaurant rather than my next door neighbor who did a fast food place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I'd rather have some quality food. (laughs) But yeah, these different things. And it's like, you get to choose. And going back to the point I was making by saying, like I knew when I was 12 years old, I wasn't doing college. There's a lot of people that get into college because that's what everyone does. And that, I want to say it's bugged the crap out of me, except for I don't let it bug me, but I just look at it I'm just like, dudes, dudes, you don't know what you're doing and you're going and spending how much money to figure out what you're doing? Like just spend some personal introspection time. That doesn't cost you anything except effort. Yeah. (laughs) Why go spend so much money for your generals and on this major you think you want to do but you don't actually know if you want to do just to switch in the middle of it and have to restart the whole process after you've already been doing two years of it.
1: Yeah, uh, not... that that was my path.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, and for you, like, that's great. But and for other people, I'm just like, okay, like you do all this and then you find out you want to be a book writer. Like, okay, you don't need a college education for that. You just need some creative writing courses and some intensive courses on how to write sure maybe take some college classes but make sure the person you're learning from is someone that writes like you or knows how to teach you how to write Mm -hmm. and I just look at it I'm just like dudes don't waste so much of your life just because that's what everyone else does just to turn around when you're 50 and say I hate my job I hate my life yeah how how many people do we know that do that it's just like Dudes, get a hold of yourself before you even start.
1: <laughs> well, and it come and what you're what you're talking about is what i've what I've really become very passionate about, and that is intentional living. Um, yeah. and this idea that I mean, and and this should be we should be teaching children this from like a very young age of like, let's get intentional, let's get connected to ourselves let's understand what makes us unique and what makes us interesting and, and what motivates us and, and what brings us joy, you know? And, and there, I mean, it's so sad. There are so many people who, who work their entire lives because it's a good paycheck. Yeah. And I, you know, I believe that if you focus first on finding passion and finding purpose I believe that the profits will come, you know, and and so many people, uh, you know, do it the other way. They're like, I'm going to focus solely on on profit right now, and solely on making money and and when buying. When I retire, things
0: I'm going to do my dream job.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, and then when I retire, I'm going to open up my dream little business or you know, travel the world or something like that. And it's like, wait, you know, you can you can travel now, now. In 20s. You can you can you can be intentional about how you want to live your life and how you want to plan it. And, but most people don't take that time. Most people do not ever sit down and do the introspective work that is required to get you to that ideal life or, you know, and, and it's, and it's sad. It really is. It
0: really is. And that's why I'm getting so passionate about this is like for some people it's great, And I respect that. Like for some people, it is the perfect path. Other people at the end of the road, they're just like, oh, what now? Like Mm -hmm. I I was homeschooled when I was growing up. So I have a much different take on school in general. For me, it looks a lot like a conveyor belt. (laughs) And you get through each teacher shoving their little piece or their big chunk of knowledge and they just try and shove it in you. And it doesn't matter if you've got a square hole and they're trying to shove a star into you or you got a circle hole and they're trying to shove a square into you or what, but they just try and shove it in and if it doesn't work, then you have the problem. And you get to the conveyor belt and at the end of the conveyor belt, it's oh, go to college and you get to choose about that, but at the same time, it's a kind of a line that there's a little bit of a break but it still slides you down into it right mm-hmm. and you get there and you're just like okay well i can get off the conveyor belt but i don't know what i'm gonna do if i'm not on the conveyor belt so yeah i'll I'll, I'll have a fun summer now that i'm graduated and then in, call, in fall i'm signing up for classes and it's like dude yes have fun in the summer i absolutely but before you sign up for college, take some time to think if that's actually what you want to do.
1: Yeah. I'm I, i cheesing <laughs> really hard right now because you hit and, you know, I have journals from years back and I remember one specific journal entry where I wrote, you know, life is like a conveyor belt. <laughs> and And so when you said that, I went, yes there's somebody else out there that understands us and believes this because it, you're right I mean we so many people just stay on the conveyor belt and they and you know and you get through you you know it's like you graduate high school and you're right there's that there's that little gap where you're thrown off a conveyor belt and it's in these little gap moments of like okay this is where we want to be intentional this is where we want to take that time and do that work and you know, I started writing my book because my sister just graduated high school uh, mm-hmm. and I, her friends and, and herself included, they were all so stressed out about graduating high school because they were like, they were like, well, I don't have my life figured out and I don't know what I'm going to be and and what exactly kind of job I'm going to get and, and major. And, and I was like, who says you have to have this all planned out at 18, right? 17, whatever age you are? Like It is a ridiculous expectation that we have on our high school juniors and seniors that at the end of, of high school, they have to have their entire lives planned out. There, There is this expectation now that high school juniors and seniors, they have to have their entire lives planned out even before they graduate high school and it's ridiculous and it's causing so much anxiety, so much stress, so much depression. So, I mean, it's, it, it's wrecking havoc on their, on their mental space and on their mindsets and in their overall confidence. And it's like, it needs to stop. We need to start educating our, our youth, our our students that there is other options than, you know, either just the four-year degree, the technical degree, or the military, like those are the, you know, you get off the the high school graduation conveyor belt, and then you get on one of those three conveyor belts, right. and it's, and it's like, okay, but there is time to explore, there is space to, you know, take a year off, you know, what, what, what would your life look like if you did a gap year, you know, and, and, think like that or what if you did go to Europe I had one of my best friends right after high school she moved to Belgium and she she studied art and philosophy in in Brussels and you know I mean she really she really wrote her own story and 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 wrote her own path and we're kindred spirits because we both think very similarly in that like I'm proud that I took the time that I took and I'm proud that like, you know, it's taken me 10 years to of self-discovery and, you know, and she's on that, that same path, but it's like, there are options. There is, there is more to life than just checking off the society check boxes of like graduate, get a job, get a house, have a family, you know, be married by this age. Like, enough of that. This is your life and you get to live it and you get to design it. And it's time that that you start to be intentional with what it is that you want versus trying to please everybody around you and society and, and all of these people who at the end of the day, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Well, so many thoughts in that. (laughs) <laughs> that you just shared, I'm like I could talk about this, 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 this. <laughs> but but the last one was last night. I don't know if you've ever seen
1: Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But yeah, but I'm from. I I know the title. I don't think I've ever seen it though.
0: It's like 30 years old at this point. <laughs> but they just came out with the third installment this summer. And one of the reasons it's famous is because it's one of Keanu Reeves' first movies. Mm if not his first i haven't looked at his filmography to know for sure but i just watched that last night for the first time with well i've seen it before but my wife hadn't seen it before so we went to Redbox, got it and had some friends over as well where my friend had seen it but his wife hadn't seen it and so we're both showing our wives this movie and <laughs> just like <laughs> doing all these quotes with them and playing the air guitar and all this stuff it's super good but part of the um the, the the main premise of the movie is they're going to flunk their history report, right? And mm-hmm. so these people from the future come back and they're like, hey, you need to pass this history report because otherwise your band breaks up and the world's doomed. So like super 90s. Super yeah. 90s? Uh, yeah. But they go back in time and capture and kidnap all these historical figures. They bring them back at the end, but <laughs> they capture all these historical figures so they can come give their history report for them. One of them, Sigmund Freud, like mm-hmm. the father of modern yeah. philosophy or yeah. whatever his actual title is i haven't yeah. researched much about him but in in it at one point he's like doing the psychological report on one of the two main characters Who's like they're both bozos <laughs> but he's doing the psychological thing with this one kid and he's just like and your father's failures is mounting up on you and that's <laughs> why you behave in the way that you do <laughs> what <laughs> was really funny is the dad's soliciting to this <laughs> but but kind of a tangent to bring about the point of how many times do we do what we're doing because our parents yeah and i love my parents they mm-hmm. are amazing and i am not going to follow their path because it ain't mine Am I going to do a lot of things they did? Yes. Have I done a lot of things they did? Yes. Am I going to strive to take the things that they did good and do those same things? Yes. Am I going to do exactly what they did? Absolutely not. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's what the world is slowly waking up to but the problem is is it comes more in the form of rebellion instead of acceptance of yes they know good things no i'm not going to live their life
1: yeah well and it and it's also so interesting too because there's so many parents who still are living vicariously through their children Mm
0: -hmm. and it's
1: like that has got to stop i mean it your child is a completely different individual than who you are and your child has got to be able to find themselves and you know make their own mistakes and and you know take their own steps you know and and it's like you know it's it there's I mean that that's just a problem that there is just a problem that there are too many parents who think because they didn't live their dreams that they can force their children into their dreams you know and i i see i see this i live in texas um and so i see this with sports you know and i see this Mm -hmm. in football and or you know or whatever sport you're playing and it's like soccer baseball it's like the, like the, the dad screaming at the fence of like come on and it's like it's like okay just because you were not a star athlete doesn't mean your child has to be the star athlete to to fill that void, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's it's such a common thing that that we have in our lives and you know I'm I'm grateful that my parents my parents were honestly complete screw-ups in life and <laughs> um and I'm so thankful for that because like whatever I did was always miles ahead of their best you know like even even from the time that I was like eight you know like I mean I was always better than my parents and and I saw their lives and I saw how sad you know their lives were because of the actions and and choices that they made and from a young age I always said I'm not going to be anything like my parents and and it's and instead of I, I use them as kind of the anti-role model, you know? And that's something that, that is actually really interesting because it's like, most kids are like, well, I, I look up to my parents. I, you know, and it was like me, I was like, I didn't want to be my parents at all. I didn't want to be like them. I didn't want to have, you know, their path of, of no success, you know? And so that's really kept me driven and, and kept me going. And, um, but there is so many kids out there who are trying to please their parents, Oh, wow. Um and please oh, yeah. others instead of p- trying to please themselves first
0: well we could talk about conditional and unconditional love with that mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like that's where the conversation's going but I want to put a plug in for that like there is too much conditional love out there in the world right now mm-hmm. and as parents I don't want to say it's your obli- obligation your duty or that you should but you should <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I, I i honestly don't want to say that but it's like what are you causing because you're not doing that what's the cost for you what's the cost for your children mm-hmm. like causing conditional love instead of unconditional love so, oh I will love you if instead yeah. of i love you no matter what yeah
1: that's a huge that's a huge yeah we don't need to go there that's like a whole nother episode that's a whole nother hour conversation but i right. mean that is, that is a big that is a big topic of i will love you if versus i love you no matter what yeah and
0: don't get me wrong it's worth it but it's a different conversation than the one we're yeah. on right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah going back to resumes
1: i feel like this is a good point to bring up a <laughs> full circle here you know lots right. of-
0: So I mentioned how I have this credential page and Mm -hmm. I brought it up because I update it every now and then. Like it'd been like every three months at this point, it's been a while since I updated it. But at the last job I went to, I've done this twice. The first job I like went to an interview and um, this was like a year ago and a year ago, I had this trip planned to Peru where I'd done a two year service mission and so it's like okay i'm gonna go back and that was part of my intentional living is i'd seen so many missionaries say oh yeah it'd be great to go back and visit the place where i served all these people for two years like big portion of their lives at that point like a tenth mm-hmm. and i've seen all these missionaries grow up be dads and die and never go back
1: mm-hmm. and i'm just
0: like i want to go back i don't care if it's a foreign country i don't care if i have to buy a 600 round trip plane ticket i'm going back mm-hmm. <laughs> and i did so th- that was part of my intentional living but, but going back to the job bit i went into this interview like a couple weeks before then i was like yeah so like i kind of want this job i kind of don't because i'm trying to be <laughs> an entrepreneur but i kind of want the job i was uh, not sold on trying to get the job yeah. For for myself. Like it was like, oh yeah, this would be cool because it's for dice. And so I can get myself some Dungeons and Dragon dice. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I've I've kind of found that like every job I've gotten of like got like either the employee discount or just the freebie for being an employee. Like that's where these glasses I'm wearing are from my one job. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, what else am I missing? Where else can I go work? I don't have something I need in my life. <laughs> I should try working at Sears now. <laughs> Get appliances. <laughs> um, anyways. So at the time I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll kind of try. So I brought in my credentials because I hadn't updated my resume in years. And so I'm like, oh, I updated these most recently. I don't want to update my other thing because I'm not convinced to get in the job anyways. So I went in and I think they got impressed with it. I just wasn't sold on it. And I was going to be gone during the time they needed people because they're like, yeah, we need people for the rush of Christmas. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be gone. <laughs> <laughs> they're like well you look good on paper you look good talking to you but you ain't gonna be here when we need you like, it's okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but the last job i got working in a warehouse sure it was just working in a warehouse and they were desperate for people but i'm just like they're like okay i yeah, just send us your resume and i'm just like yet again have not updated it in longer now credentials and talking about credentials that's the thing where i had my fa- my face the little description of how i help people and then bullet points of what i did and on the back bullet points of what i want to do i go in with that and they're just like yeah sure okay I'm... and, 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 and I, I know and fully admit they were desperate for work mm-hmm. employees but nonetheless like they weren't like this is stupid it was just like oh yeah that's kind of cool so, well so, so even out there in the corporate world that can be a good thing to have even like as an add-on to your resume
1: I'd say why not, you know, and and I know there's career experts out there who are like you have to have a pristine resume and it has to be bullet pointed and cover twelve point font and you know don't show any creativity or individuality and I'm like, um, okay, so so don't tell them who I am. <laughs> you want me to be a robot? You want me to? You want me to just kind of like? try to be this cookie cutter perfect person and it's like and they're like yes (laughs) and that's what most and 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 this is where where i'm calling i'm calling out the you know i'm I'm calling people out is like okay especially in the corporate world i think there is this disconnect of of like realization that the people who are applying for these jobs are real people They're, they're real humans, you know, they have emotions, they have feelings, they have complexities, they're, you know, there's uniqueness there. And so when you, when you have a resume that is just picture perfect and, you know, polished and everything like that, it, to me, it takes away from, from your individuality, it takes away from your self-expression. And, and I think companies would be more successful. And I, again, I'm no... I'm no HR professional. I'm, I'm just Tyler with my own thoughts and my own ideas, but right. I, I firmly believe that companies would be way more successful if they brought on unique individuals who bring something different to the table, you know, and, yeah. and, it, and we are starting to see this shift in corporate culture of, you know, curating teams of, of, of different individuals and, and you know the, the the job that I have now, the the part time position that I got got brought onto, it. M- my whole team is is really unique, and you know I have I have, you know, common themes with every single coworker that I'm around, but there's enough differences that makes us all unique. And I mean it's a it's a great team, and right. more companies need to start shooting for that goal of like how can we bring individuals on. You know, And how can each individual support the team versus trying to make everybody like this perfect little robot?
0: Right. And talking to that, I feel like one of the things with that is sometimes companies might feel like, oh, well, if we have enough cookie cutters, then when we don't need as many cookie cutters, we can just get rid of them and not feel emotion because they're all just cookie cutters.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Where if it was a group of different people They'd be like oh well they bring this And the other people bring this And that person brings this And they're all different things they all bring And so like for being able to cut people Like it makes it harder But it's like you're a company You want to grow Like hello (laughs) And sure maybe you're transferring All operations to Ireland Like happened to my dad one time (laughs) He's just like you know (laughs) But it's like okay, if you're a company, you should have one of your things be growth because otherwise someone else is going to grow faster than you. And I believe that there's enough opportunity out there for anyone. Like there's enough space in the market. Like there's no, you have to cut someone else off in order to get ahead. Like, I don't think that way. But there comes a point where if you're not moving, people stop going to you because you're stagnant and you smell bad.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I see this. I see this in in a lot of you know a lot of uh, established companies right now. You mentioned Sears earlier in the interview. I don't even is Sears still a thing? I thought they. I, I
0: I I literally was thinking that as I said, I'm like, didn't they go bankrupt
1: though? <laughs> I, I'm I, I believe like Sears no longer exists. You know, and there's a lot of a lot of these these old companies who they were the name. They were the name. They're they in the, the movies and they were the thing. But but they didn't learn how to grow. They didn't learn how to change. They didn't learn how to adapt.
0: And it and, goes to Darwin.
1: And it and it's honestly a lot of those old companies, they and I, I'm gonna say it, they had fixed mindsets. You know, they were mm-hmm. like, This is what we do, this is how we do it, you know, and it's like uh, to me and what I teach my my coaches who who come in and, and coach with me, uh is your business is an extension of, of your personality. It's an extension of, of your heart and a lot of major corporations, when they get big enough, they kind of lose that, like that heart space, you know, it becomes like, right. They, they lose the heart and without the heart, you're not going to be able to breathe. You're not going to be, you can't function without your heart. And so it's like, it's like, I always try to Remind myself that at the end of the day, every choice that I make has to come from my heart, has to come from the heart space. And I think there's a lot of businesses out there that are not operating from a heart space. They're operating from a money space or, you know, like just a fixed mindset of like, well, this is who we are and we're not going to change. And it's like, no, we have to grow, we have to change.
0: Right. And I don't want to call them out. Like I'm debating on using the name, but even if I don't use the name, it'll be pretty obvious who I'm talking about. (laughs) So it's like Walmart. When was the last time you felt welcome there? Why do we go there? They have everything and it's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Like I grew up never going to Walmart because one, The closest one was further than all of the other stores. And so my mom was like, okay, we're not going there because everyone else is closer. And two, my parents wanted to go somewhere where, sure, maybe the employees weren't any better, but at least it was a local store. Mm -hmm. And so, like, looking at it from that aspect and talking about heart, it's like Walmart, sure, um, I keep forgetting the guy's name, but whoever the heck the founder was. Sam something, Walton. Yeah, I was going to say something Walton. <laughs> Sam Walton. <laughs> I'm sure he had heart because otherwise it would have flunked and wouldn't have gotten anywhere. So mm-hmm. kudos to Sam Walton because he made something big no and I am certain he poured his heart into it. Yeah. But I like he's been dead for a while. So what are they doing now? Well, the CEOs are up there just like oh yeah, we just uh, get everything super cheap and everyone comes to us because we got everything and, and I don't know me either. Like maybe they are trying to get heart back into it. I don't know. But I know as me, as a customer, I go in there and they're just blah. Where if I go to mom and pop shop, they're like, Hey, welcome. Thanks for coming in because you are literally our customer and we need to make sure you keep coming in because otherwise we go out.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, what's so interesting about what you're saying is and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've had entry-level jobs. You've had, oh, yeah you've oh, yeah. had bottom you've had bottom of the totem pole jobs and so you know from an from an employee's perspective what it feels like to be the low man on the totem pole and feel that that disconnect that uh you know that like that feeling of like oh they just think of me as less than because i'm just the cashier or i'm just the stocker or you know i'm just the warehouse employee whatever whatever that title may be there that, you know, there's, there's that disconnect between, you know, the, the bottom level employees and the top executives of companies. And it's, I mean, it, I can speak from that because I've been a bottom level employee in lots of different areas. And I know when a company culture is good, based off of how their bottom level, you know, employees feel and how they show up to work and and how they interact with others and things like that. And, you know, I mean, this is a huge conversation and topic, but it's like, it's like, I, I just, a, a part of me just wants to bring more heart into the corporate America space and into large companies, because not only, not only do their employees need that, but their customers need that the economy needs it you know i mean there there is this like like if you if a company really loves you know the work that they're doing if if every employee loves showing up and contributing to to the environment there's no reason why a company shouldn't succeed it's it's right. when you start to lose that love it's when you start to lose that connection with you know, the top execs and the, bo- and the bottom employees. And that's that's when you start to see the problems. And I've been in several of those workplaces in my life.
0: Right. Well, and in the message you sent me, I happen to know which company your part-time place is. Mm-hmm. And so I've more or less had that in the back of my mind as we've been talking. And from me as an outside perspective, knowing about that company, I want to buy from them. And yeah, it's, it's not a cheap ticket thing either. But no. I want to buy from them because I see passion. I see heart. But, and I I don't know what you feel is like, I don't know where you are on the totem pole, but how do you feel as an employee in that
1: company? Fantastic. Um, And it's one, and like I said, I've had 21 jobs in my life. I went into this interview with, I went into this interview because I was excited for the company. And I was excited to be a part of their mission and, and their mission bleeds into everything that they do. And I walked out of the interview going, that was way different. They asked me different questions. They, you know, there was a, there was a different energy in the way the manager spoke to me and in the, you know, in the conversation it wasn't like it wasn't like well tell me about this experience and tell me about it was like hey i want to get to know you i yeah, want to get right? to <laughs> i want to get to understand <laughs> you and and see if you're going to be the right fit versus critiquing your credentials you know
0: yeah it's like are you going to fit our cookie cutters like no like are you going to bring value
1: to the team At, and and one of my one of my coworkers the very first day that you know my very first day on the job he pulled me aside and he said he said there's a reason why you're here you bring something to this team that nobody else on our team has you're you're wanted here you're needed here and i am happy to have you as my coworker and as my team teammate I've never had that type of sincerity or communication with any other employee. And it, and it's because of the company culture that, that this, this uh, company has created. I I believe that, that, you know, that is at the core of their success and it's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. And I'm okay. If you want to share what that company is, I'm also okay. If you don't,
1: I don't know if I can because I signed an an NDA (laughs) And um, that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sharing anything major, but I was like, I've, "It's better to leave the name of the company off." Um, you can find it. I've posted about it on my social media and things like that. So, like, it's out so there. If you want to know who Tyler works for, find him on social media. <laughs> it'll be a scavenger hunt. So, um, but but yeah, that's awesome because
0: I have worked for even some really small scale operation places, and they haven't even had that. And yeah, the company is big
1: yeah listeners
0: have heard about them yeah
1: yeah no it's 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 a big (laughs) company it's 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 a growing company it's it's changing the world it's a it's a company that's changing the world and uh yeah i mean it's a complex operation but to have that sense of community and that sense of company culture and everybody working towards a mission um it's empowering. And I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be there. And and it's, and I'm growing every day as an individual, because I was intentional with, you know, aligning myself with with a part time job that where I could grow and, and be seen as as a as a valuable employee versus just the part time employee.
0: Right. And that's something that I remember experiencing it a couple of the jobs that I've had, I'm just like, okay, I literally am the hardest worker here. I'm not getting paid the most, and I'm the hardest worker. Mm-hmm. And what do I have to show for it? Like, nobody is noticing me. And I talked with someone recently that's like, well, the company's paying you. That's their appreciation. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that one's on the mark. Like, yeah. and, and I really respect this person with a lot of other things they say, but that one I'm just like, nope. That one, I don't think is the way it goes, uh,
1: especially when especially when you're working and and you're doing all of this work and you feel like you're not being valued in the amount that you're getting paid. Because I've been in those situations too, where it's right. like, it's like okay,
0: it's like okay, I'm getting paid twelve dollars an hour, but I'm putting in fifteen.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is a There, there, that is a huge disconnect problem and um, another topic that we could spend hours talking about. But. Right.
0: And with that, it's like, okay, maybe your monthly budget doesn't afford for those three extra dollars an hour for me. Find something else. Mm-hmm. Like say, hey, I noticed the work you put in.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you. And like, and that that,
0: that that's huge, it's for, huge. For business owners out there hearing me. That is huge. And I really hope that when I get to the point of having employees that I remember this because I've been there and it sucks because it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, these people that are managers, assistant managers, managers, they're sitting over here on their phones while I'm stalking. They're sitting on their phones while I'm organizing the back room with all the supplies. They're sitting here on their phones while I'm talking with customers. Yeah. It's like, sure. It's a retail place where it's a one-on-one
1: experience, but Holy cow. Like do something. Yeah. (laughs) yeah there that that is a major problem in lots of environments and and it's like that whole perception and you know how you feel as an employee really is an important aspect to company success and and business success and like I I too feel like when I, when I'm at that stage in my business where I have some employees and I'm, and I'm growing, um, you know, I want to always remember to treat everybody with full respect and full dignity um, because everybody on the team matters and every, everything that they do impacts the overall success of your business. And there is no, there is no small, employees there is no small roles like every every role in a company is important
0: yeah it's like you didn't come up with that role to not have it matter yeah just to fill
1: space yeah yeah
0: it's because that way it saves someone else the time to do it at a lower Mm -hmm. wage or yeah just gives someone else more freedom to focus on the other thing like maybe they have the same wage but this person's doing the grunt work and this person's doing the brain work Mm mm-hmm And it's like, if some person's doing both the grunt and the brain work, like that person gets really tired. So it's like, okay, let's bring on someone else. Sure. Maybe they both work an hour less than what the other guy had been working, but they also feel better at the end of the day. Yeah. It's like, you don't get those positions by happenstance. It's not like they grow out of the ground all of a sudden appearing out of nowhere. It's no, you made that role for someone to fill. Yeah. And one thing that I know I'm definitely going to have when I get employees is have an employee of the month plaque. Because I've never had that at any of those jobs I worked at. And, yeah. and, and there's a couple of them, like the summer, like the Boy Scout camp, that wouldn't have really worked. And, and at the same time, it could have. Like it would have, it would have been weird because it, there wouldn't have been enough months that someone could have excelled. You could add a weekly thing. Yeah, but like in the other jobs, like I've never had that. I'm just like, hey, you realize how much potential you're missing out on by getting a plaque with a picture and a ten dollar gift card,
1: a fifty dollar gift card. Little 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 incentives like that go such a long way. Little little elements of appreciation and acknowledgement go so far for employees. Like, like, again, going back to my current, my current job that I'm in uh, every day we huddle and our, our store, our store leader, our, our uh, managers, you know, they, they point out like, Hey, you know, we're acknowledging, you know, so-and-so because they had an awesome day yesterday. And, and it, it's just, Every single day, it's like a little acknowledgement of like, hey, this is what went well yesterday. Let's celebrate that. Let's continue that. And and it's it, just... And it fosters that. It does. It does. And, and there's so, so much disconnected in a lot of work environments. And it's a real shame.
0: Yeah. And even in places where they do have employee of the month plaques, sometimes it's politics in the workplace and it's like Mm -hmm. that is bad Mm -hmm. like it it should be effort not position yeah and so that's where for me it's like okay yeah employee of the month plaque if i'd had that at any of these jobs i'd worked at you best be betting your bottom dollar i would have worked harder because it would have been like okay i'm gonna be up there because me benjamin fincher I'm the kind of person that excels to the point to where I know I can get up there. And if I don't get up there, I try harder. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Where if
0: it doesn't mm-hmm. exist, I'm just like, mm, okay, whatever. I remember mm-hmm. one place I worked and it was a place with like three stores. So like kind of growing, but it was also kind of in that back and forth of growing, not growing. I talked to the CEO and I'm like, Hey, here's an idea that I thought of. Some places have their mission statement like displayed somewhere where it's easily visible. He's like, Oh yeah, we've got that in the onboarding package. I'm like, what? I'm like, I've worked here for two months and I already forgot it. And I've read that the yeah. most recently than anyone else. And, and like, I wasn't bold enough to the time to actually just call him out on it and be like, um, bogus that's not how that works nobody here knows the mission statement i don't care what you think they know they don't yeah because no one acts on it so sure they might remember the words but they don't know it
1: yeah and i guess that's a huge thing too that that makes my current job so different is everybody excuse me everybody knows the company's mission statement and it comes up in conversation that we have with customers not even not even amongst team members but we are sharing the company's mission statement with our customers that's cool and and so the fact that like the fact that like not only does that that stay within the company but now it's going out into the world and it's making our customers think hey this is what we can do differently this is how we can make a positive impact in the world it I mean it it it's radical and it oh yeah and it's so cool to witness it firsthand and it's such a great thing to always remind myself of like at the end of the day coming into coming kind of back to intuitive living like like as individuals we should have a mission statement we should have a life statement mm-hmm. and and every day we should be working towards that life statement we should be we should be setting goals around that life statement and we should be allowing ourselves to go there, you know, and, and it should be individual. It should be personal. And, and it, and it really does take, you know, a lot of time to really connect with that yourself and, and you know, but it's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask this question, like, we've definitely talked about this, but what have you done in your life to rewrite your stars? Like, have you noticed any particular turning points? Have you noticed any particular steps you took? Like, I want to turn the focus on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, the very, when I, right out of high school, when I, when I fell off the college path of like, theater, stage management. Broadway, like when I fell off of that path completely, I told myself, I said, okay, I'm not going to settle until I find something that makes my heart sing. And it was just that declaration of, okay, I am now in control. I am now going to put my intention into crafting my story, crafting my journey, Uh, being intentional about it and not settling. And so that, that moment really changed me. And it wasn't at the time, I didn't realize how powerful that moment was until here I am 10 years later going, wow. Yeah. If it wasn't for that one moment, if it wasn't for, you know, the, the, the stage management career being pulled out from under my rug, I don't think I would be sitting here today. Um, and it was because for whatever reason, I just, I had a, a gut intuition to go, okay, this has been completely wiped off your table. You now have no idea who you are. You don't know what you want in life. This is your opportunity to find it. And and most people would have just, most people in that same scenario, they would have just said, Okay, well, I'm just gonna go to community college and I'm just gonna take some classes and I'm just gonna, you know, figure it out as as, as I go along. But I was intentional. Mm-hmm. And when I signed up for the community college classes, I was intentional with okay, you know, I wanna take psychology, I wanna take business, I wanna take a creative writing class because I was allowing my curiosities to to pave the way versus just going i'm gonna go in and take all my basics because that's what i'm supposed to do
0: right and i hope that i figure it out
1: yeah it's
0: just like don't get me wrong hope is amazing but when it comes to writing your life hope isn't gonna do it
1: you, you need some hope but you need some intention driving the hope
0: right it's like okay i hope this will work out but you need to figure out what this is yeah because otherwise it's like i hope this will work out what life yeah life's gonna keep going whether or not you're here yeah (laughs) it's like get clear figure out who you are and and i mean i've been trying to figure out where to tie this part in because this is part of my episodes of vision board successes and today's is really cool i really really love this one i but it hasn't had many tie-ins to the conversation yet and so i'm like okay like where is this going
1: throw it out there we'll we'll make it work
0: right but let me ask you this first have you heard about vision boards do you know anything about vision boards tyler
1: oh 100 i use them all the time <laughs> awesome so
0: i i've had seasons where i've used them prolifically i've had seasons where i have not used them and i've had seasons where i've gotten back into the habit And right now, amid that season of, okay, let's get back into this because I like doing this. I like shaping my life like this. Um, This particular one, and even though you can see it, you probably won't understand it, but it's breakdown Tupper's tapes into stories. And so the background behind that is Tupper, those of you that know German have an advantage on this one, but Tupper is my great-grandfather. It's like saying Gramps or something like that in German. And he fought for the Germans in World War II. Not necessarily had a choice. Kind of wasn't a lot of choice in that area of the world at the time. But yeah, he fought for the Germans. And I, I mentioned this in last week's episode. So I'll just kind of briefly share his story. He was executed by the Russians and lived to tell about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> and your, your brain's kind of doing like you like yeah. people's brains with coachpreneur like uh, i kind of get that but wait what i know does not compute <laughs> so yeah my great-grandfather was executed by the russians and lived to tell about it you're like okay th- those two words don't go together <laughs> so like i said he he was fighting for the germans they were fighting the russians his battalion his squadron something got captured tied them all up at the Russian camp lined them up against some fence or something and started machine gunning them and and then my great-grandfather had the sense to fall down before getting shot Mm. the Russians recognized that some people are smart enough to do that so they started machine gunning the bodies and stopped right next to him wow yeah right wow (laughs) so come night it's raining he gets out of the ropes dons a russian uniform starts making it back to the front lines gets jumped by somebody he recognizes if i'm in a russian uniform i'm getting jumped by a german i'm german i'm german don't kill me (laughs) and talks with them and he's like okay cool gets back to the camp of other escapees there's like 13 of them or something so these escapees are making it back to the front lines to get back to the Germans because if they're with the Russians, they're just going to die or get captured again or something not good. They get captured a couple more times and they're like, oh, thank you so much. We got lost. They told us to go do this thing. We totally got lost. Escape again. <laughs> One time they were getting escorted by this um, caravan and they were, blew up with the munitions truck like these weren't just a couple of no clue german escapees these guys knew what was up Mm -hmm. and my grandfather brings such emotion into this because what these tapes are is my uncle in college for whatever class or assignment or whatever he was doing got these like little mini tapes like you've seen cassette tapes but these are mini Mm -hmm. tapes yep yep and he recorded his grandfather my great-grandfather tuppa and recorded him with the stories of his life. And there was a bunch of stories and the, this story was on it. And so I got to hear my great grandfather, his voice, even though he died in 2002 and I was born in 97. So I was five years old when he died. I got to hear these stories with his voice and understand them. And he gets emotional, which you don't think of for a German.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: like German and emotion. You're just like, no, those don't mix. But this man, this ancestor of mine, he had emotion. And, and I guess that's maybe where we're tying it back is to that heart. And he's like, these boys, these Russian boys, they weren't men. They were boys. They ran scared from that caravan. They th- knew we would kill them, and they were scared. Eventually, they get to the front lines one of the guys knew or knew russian pretty well so he dons a russian uniform goes into the camp scouts it out gets some infatel and then says okay this gate this time we're getting across no man's land which if you're familiar with war is filled with mines Mm -hmm. is filled with barbed wires filled with razor wires filled with all these things that are meant to keep you from crossing that line and they were haggard like they So much had happened to them over the course of the days and weeks they'd been escaped. Well, he's, and this is another part where he gets emotional. He says, we got to the gate and eliminated the guards. He didn't enjoy in killing. Mm -hmm. And they told him in their little huddle brief, whatever, before they go, they're like, you keep running because either side could be shooting you. You could step on a mine, anything you keep running and only a handful made it across. He was one of them. Tumbles into the the trench, puts his hands up, says, don't shoot me, (laughs) I'm German. Because, I mean, you get people running across, and you're like, okay, I need to shoot this guy before he comes and kills me. He's like, don't shoot me, I'm German. And holds his hands up, and they're like, okay, yeah, right. Well, he pulls out his German military passport because they hadn't taken it from him, because they just did that after he killed them all. They didn't believe him. They're like, you're a spy. You're lying to us. He's like, no, I'm not. Finally gets to this one captain and says, okay, why are you lying to me? He says, I'm not, I'm Siegfried Ernst-Louis Beansfield. This is who I am. This man here in this passport, that is me. He's like, have you seen a mirror recently? He's like, no, I've been on the front lines. I've been running back here for like a couple of weeks. He's like, okay. Pulls out a little pocket mirror, like a makeup mirror or something. I don't know what they had and shows him his face and he just reacted so crazy he's just like whoa because at the time in his passport it said he had black hair and his hair had turned stark white from the experience oh yeah. yeah so when he saw his reaction he's like okay yeah i believe you so so that's the story of how my great-grandfather was executed by the russians and lived to tell about it And that's what this vision board success was for me is to take those stories and break them up into sections like audio tracks, Mm -hmm. put it on my vision board in January of 2016, took it off April 7th, 2016. And that was special for me. And he rewrote his life. He immigrated to America. He put all of that behind him. And he actually became a little bit of a jack of all trades some of what he knew before and some of what he didn't know and like you said i'm not sure where the tie-in point is but we'll just roll with it yeah (laughs) part of it's that heart part of it's that passion part of it's that jack of all trades and part of it's just keep going even though you don't
1: know what's ahead well and and a part of it is like all we like always be reinventing yourself too Mm -hmm. like i mean he had i mean he physically was reinvented with the white hair and all of the you know craziness that that he experienced but right when he when he when he you know immigrated he was you know he had to reinvent himself multiple times learning English learning and 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 growing and there is like there is like a tenacity to his spirit and that is something that I think truly successful people need is they need the tenacity they need that they need that ability to adapt and to change and to grow and it kind of comes full circle with like with like the people who have done lots of things are you in my opinion are usually the the smartest most well-rounded most interesting people in the room right you know
0: because you could talk to specialists for hours about the one thing they know but you get someone that can talk to anything you know yeah for those those of you that listen to the podcast this is episode what 11 of this season I've talked with 10 different guests and I've talked with a different topic with every single one of them Mm -hmm. and so sure I might not be an expert in each of those fields but I am becoming an expert mentor yeah and part of that for me is the skill to relate yeah wow yeah yeah One other thing I'd add to that story of my Tupper is for me, he is a huge role model in my life. Like you said, of that tenacity of that keep moving forward and of rebuilding. He watched his estate in Germany get blown up by the Russian artillery. Mm. I don't know what it looked like exactly. I, I may have seen pictures. I think I might have actually. But he watched it get blown up. With his very eyes.
1: Yeah. Is like
0: to be able to come away from something like that and just say, I'm gonna keep going. Like, how many of us today would have just quit and just said, I'm just gonna stay here and wait till they march over me? Yeah. (laughs) Like it's not worth it anymore. But he was like, No, I've got more than this. I've got me, I've got my family, and I'm gonna keep going.
1: And I don't know exactly, but he was connected to something more meaningful and more deep than just material things you know right
0: and never again in his life did most people if if, i was just gonna say never again in his life did he ever have that much he never had an estate again he lived Mm -hmm. in the sticks of north california near the end of his life Oh, well, at the very end of his life, he was living with his daughter and her husband, my grandparents, um, in Cedar City, Utah. And they had a nice place, but it wasn't in a state by any means. But that yeah. wasn't what motivated him. He was like, hey, I had this thing, but I've got more. I've got family. I've got me. And for me, it's like, okay, yeah. he's a role model for me. And maybe Tyler, or maybe me, maybe we're role models for you. Or maybe you have your own role models. I think this is kind of a good mm-hmm. place to kind of wrap up is find those role models in your life. Because we've got our own stories. And it's kind of cool how similar they are to me. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's not your story. Maybe you've got a different story. that's okay
1: role models we we need the role models to to provide us guidance and you know to to give us that that sense of self and identity but like you know I always cherry pick from oh yeah
0: you know oh yeah
1: (laughs) and and I take I take the best out of everybody you know and I make that into me and But it's, you know, it's a nice, that's a nice element that you have from your great grandfather. Um, And I, I, I share things from, from, from my relatives that, you know, I take some of their scrappiness or some of their resourcefulness, all of these like different elements into who I am.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you have a role model of who you don't want to be like your parents. And I wouldn't focus on that because you become what you focus on. But I, it's still... I take from my
1: parents too, yeah.
0: Yeah, and at this point, I'm sure you can be like, okay, sure. Back in the day, I was like, oh, you guys are terrible, but now you're just like, okay. Despite all that, you tried. Mm-hmm. You raised
1: me. Yeah, <laughs> they did a they did a pretty good job at that. I I'll, I'll give them credit there. Well, um, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I really do. I have to get going.
0: Okay, uh, so. and that's all right. We've talked for a good while here. <laughs> Just want to ask you, where, where can people find you? If yeah. They want to work with you so learn more
1: about you. I'm online. My, uh, the easiest way to find me is on Instagram at Tyler transformed. I've got a link tree there that'll take you everywhere else. And then my website is radically Um, if you want to check that out.
0: Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having you with me, Tyler it yeah. has been phenomenal
1: this has been, this has been soul quenching. I, I feel like I'm just talking from the soul and and it's been, it's been fantastic. So thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. As always, if you want to find out more about me, how to work with me, be sure to head on over to starlightmentoring.com and you can find links on there to be able to do that work with me and happy to help you out. Like I have conversations with people. I help people and, I know a lot. I know how to help. So thanks for listening. Remember you can rewrite your stars. We're here with examples. We're here with real life stories, proven it's done, proven it's possible. And you can do it too.